to Expounded Universe, Season 23, Episode 6. Seed Partners looking for a third. The book, Star Wars Rogue Planet by Greg Bear. The year, 2000. Chapters 20 through 24. With your hosts, Jeff and John, who are also looking for a third. Let's go! Hell yeah, we're looking to high five over some backs or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. We need a third podcaster. We need a third podcaster. And we're going to high five over their back uh-huh. while we talk into a mic. Yeah, and they're not going to know about it because the over their back is the new behind their back. That's right. That's what it is. We're talking over your back uh-huh. is what the kids say. <laughs> That's what the kids say because they're so tall. The kids these days are too damn tall. Uh-huh. They're putting chemicals in the water to make the damn kids tall. <laughs> Uh, okay, good. Well, way to dodge out of it. Hey. I say some fat life shit, and you're like, I'll fix that. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's fine. We don't need to do that. We don't need I'm that gonna, bit. I'm going to dodge right away. We're going to move right past it. Yeah, next time I'm going to say we're looking to spit roast someone, and just <laughs> you're be like, yep, because we're cannibals, and we want to eat them. That's right. Uh-huh. Mmm, long pork. <laughs> uh, violence is better than sex comedy. <laughs> that's true. We're Americans, and we love violence and hate sex. Yep. Just like how we love Star Wars and hate other Star Wars. <laughs> oh, you Star Wars fans sure are a contentious lot. <laughs> <laughs> Superstitious and cowardly. <laughs> so, uh, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Things are good. Uh, back from Gen Con. Yeah, yeah, we're back. Got, Baby. Uh... Got hella COVID. So much COVID upends. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. We we're, I, I tested negative this morning. Yep. Just... You know, masked up a bunch. Yep. Didn't fuck around. We're uh, as responsible as we could theoretically be. Nah. Yeah. Nah. Could have theoretically been slightly more. Could have worn six masks. So many masks. Could have just not gone. Could have could have just not been there. And Skipped it. That, that probably would have made our publisher extremely angry at us. <laughs> Given the amount of money <laughs> invested in that. So, uh, so yeah, we, we did get a couple of fun treasures while we were there, but nothing super Star Wars related. I think we'll probably talk more about the various new bits of Bob's added to the studio uh, on other episodes. Yeah. But it was a good time. and we had, good. We, we had I fun. stole a fork from the old spaghetti factory. Mm-hmm. We did. We were hanging out with, uh, with a friend of the show, Claire, who was wearing a cool Star Wars cosplay at one point. Indeed. So that was kind of neat. Yeah. Yeah. I thought she looked great. Yeah. Fantastic. I had no idea who she was because, frankly, I don't listen to AP podcasts. Um, <laughs> Frankly, I find them terrible. <laughs> I'm kidding, actually. I, I knew exactly who she was, and I listened to an AP podcast while we were there. Amazing. While it was in progress. We listened to a, a new uh, Skyjacks, or was that a Courier's Call? That was a Skyjacks. That was a regular Skyjacks and not yes, a Courier's indeed. Call. Okay, all right. Making sure I know. Good. I think I should, just because I know the people that are in the two different shows. Yeah, and it's different characters. Different characters. Yeah, with different opinions. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And they also have their own keys and little Daves. Call, little, little Daves. <laughs> so uh, how you doing? I want to get out of this. <laughs> You're nowhere near as good at dodging out of shit you don't want to talk about as I am. What I'm talking about is that we need a unicorn <laughs> to improve our relationship. That's right. But if only we had a maiden that could go into the forest and find one for us. Specifically, a virginal one. That's what I'm specific. Uh, that's what I want most of all. How you doing? 
How you, how you doing? <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, we should probably talk about where last we left our heroes and get into the actual uh, Star Wars times. Yeah, we finally uh, got Obi-Wan and Anakin to show up on our titular rogue planet of mm-hmm. Sikot, and uh, they got taken in by a real grumpy lady who then... Put like, him on an airplane to meet a, a, a very officious man named and, Gan. I mean, the big thing is she had like a moment of psychic deliberation with someone and then it was like, oh, never mind. I'm very nice to you instead of being an asshole. I do appreciate that throughout the course of the chapters we read today, it's become fairly apparent that Obi-Wan is up to speed about that at least a little bit. Yeah. Where he's just like, yeah, if we could learn to read all these smells and winds and stuff, I think we'd be talking to the planet too. Yeah, the... Uh... <laughs> The two of them got taken to the middle distance, yeah. which is normally where my eyes sort of sit. For, uh-huh, yeah. I just look off into the middle distance. I mean, the other, only other thing to look at in here is me, your Ewok movie posters. Yeah, so that's why I generally choose the middle distance. Yeah, just about two feet out ahead of you, just, just, just that Sort area. of that way. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they got taken out there. They met a guy named Gan. Gan let them know that they're going to have to go through some trials and tribulations and whatnot in order to become worthy of getting a big spaceship. Yeah, they have to become, like, one with the planet and stuff. And meanwhile, Wraith Sinar has gotten a big boat full of robots and some other dudes and is off to Zanama Seacoat for we still don't know what. He is fully convinced that this is Tarkin setting him up for something, which is a weird bo- thing to bother with. I mean, it's... In the chapters before this, the fact that he was just like, hey, man, I'm sure if you want me to do a thing, I'll go do it. And Tarkin just keeps being like weird about everything. I mean, like, ah, I've got to make sure you're on your toes. And he's like, you don't. No, I'm, I'm I'm fine. You need me to go do a thing? I'll go do a thing. We've been friends for a long time. And you told me this was this is going to be a business advantage for both of us. I believe you because you have le- not led me astray in the past. And he's like, yes, but also I will deny you the things you most require. And he's like, look, if you want to do sex stuff, you should at least set up that we're, we, we should establish boundaries. <laughs> like, I, I get it. I understand. I, yeah. No, I'm, I'm on board. I am ready to play. This is not my first rodeo yeah. in so many different ways. <laughs> but there's an etiquette to the way we do this thing. You can't just march in here and start shouting at me. That's bad top shit. Yeah. Bad top energy is what we're getting from Tarkin. Yeah. Not good top energy from Tarkin, which is understandable. I always kind of perceived him as more of a bottom myself. So, uh, so anyway, uh, so yeah, yeah, that's where uh, everyone was. Yeah. Sinar has been sent off. He got his own ship and some other stuff. More ships. He got like, like five ships. Yeah. So he is off to go track them down. But uh, that is the state in which we left things before. Everyone was more or less just starting to figure out what the fuck is going on. Exactly. And uh, we open this set of chapters. As I mentioned a moment ago, uh, Anakin is more or less up. They're talking about the smell of the planet. And it's good. It's good. The planet smells like warm, fresh-baked cinnamon rolls. Hell yeah. It smells like you're in the mall and you're about four down from the Cinnabon. Mm -hmm. It smells like Garfield's big and stinky feet. You know, if, like, that's what you're into. Yeah. Yeah. If that's what you're into. Yeah. It kind of smells like if Yoshi were to poo an egg. Ha ha. Ha You know? Like that. It's, you know, whatever. You know, ha ha. I wonder what it would smell like. Exactly. Ha-ha. Just folk, just insert your own good smell that you that you enjoy, 
And that's what Zonama you know, Sakat smells like. A lot of people have different things that are smells that they enjoy. Fresh cut grass. Uh-huh. Uh, the ground after it rains. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. That's a good one. The ocean. Yeah. yeah fresh yeah. baked cookies. Mm-hmm. Garfield's big and stinky feet. <laughs> and there it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's uh, that's just like one of them. Just one of the universal baselines. Yeah. Of, of enjoyable odors known around the world. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Also mm-hmm. just balls. Hey, that's later. That's a different <laughs> chapter. I uh, meant, like, you know, that that mold release agent they put on big rubber balls when they sell them in the, in the, you know, in the toy like, store. Like moth balls. Yeah. Like Mon Mothma's balls. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like Mothman's balls. <laughs> to serve Mothman's <laughs> balls. It's a cookbook. Oh, no. Mothman better get the fuck out of there. <laughs> so, um... They are in their room, and of course, Anakin is delighted by this, because he's like, look, I grew up in the wide open deserts of Tatooine. I hate being confined. Like, my whole deal is traveling really fast, going all over the place, doing high-speed nonsense, and I hate being, like, contained in an area. Yeah. And it sucked a lot. In uh the sea the sea star flower star sea flower star sea flower uh so he's like that sucks honestly Coruscant's open but it also isn't alive but yeah. this place rules he's getting pretty demanding with his very specific wants where he's like yeah I pretty much want to live on puppy planet where every square inch is puppy uh everything else sucks I hate spaceships I hate dead planets I like the desert for some reason but I hate dead planet but but. It's weird to me that all of the shit he says in this, I was like, oh, you want to live on Endor. Like, right. he wants to be one of those fucking, like, biker scouts on Endor. Because he's like, yeah. what I want to do is, I want to go fast and be surrounded by living things. Yeah, yeah. He pretty much is just an Ewok, who also are, are thrill-seeking speed demons who can weaponize their environments. Oh, yeah. So. I mean, Anakin has to be part Ewok, because he's all about murder and being in the forest. Yeah, so I... But this just feels wrong to me, because, like, Anakin is historically one of the greatest pilots of Star Wars history. Like, that's usually his big claim to fame prior to the Vader stuff. Yes. And yet, he's here, he is like, I hate space and I hate spaceships. Oh, yeah. His entire conversation is like, oh, every time we go into space, I hate it. It's too confined out there. Cold. It's cold and dead, and it gets everywhere. Yeah, it's coarse. <laughs> Like how lo- how weird it is to live in this book, which is written like two years before the sand line. Right? <laughs> it's awesome reading a book where it is set after something and before something else, but you didn't know the other thing. And you're like, ooh, you're just really th- trying to thread a needle here. And sometimes you are not. It's like, I get why he be- went all dark side. The dude just sounds like he ab- is absolutely never comfortable. No. He's just always whining about every plan. Oh, it's humid. Uh, I'm going to become a cyborg about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want any sand. Uh, I also don't want it to be sparse. I don't want to be in space, but I need to be surrounded by stuff, but I don't want stuff to fuck with me. Mm-hmm. I'm like, dude, just fucking chill, man. <laughs> yeah, it's just a... Uh... It's a weird set of requirements he seems to keep putting forward. I'm not sure where he'd be happy beyond, obviously, Endor. Yeah. Or the forest moon of Endor. Like, maybe he'd also be happy on Endor. I don't know. I mean, the thing is, the forest moon of Endor is also called Endor. I know, and I will never stop saying otherwise. (laughs) Here's the thing. I'll be in the cold, cold ground. (laughs) Endor, being the name of the moon and the planet, is great 
Because then you get into those Frankenstein's monster things where someone's like, you know, it's actually the forest moon of Endor. And then you can come back and be like, no, actually the moon is Endor. Let's have a fight about no, it. I definitely keep the true statement in my back pocket in case I ever get to correct anyone else because that is what is best in life. Yeah. But but uh, for my own purposes, no, it's the forest moon of Endor. Because <laughs> that's what they fucking call it in the movie. Yeah. So so anyway. Um, anyway... <laughs> They are they're having... talking about that. We've made 30 <laughs> words into the book, I think. <laughs> no, they're just having a conversation that, you know, Anakin is super jazzed, but also he is a 12-year-old and he's just like, I want to see all this cool stuff and do things. And Obi-Wan's like, hey, how about you chill? And he's like, that sounds like horseshit and fuck you. Yeah. Every time Obi-Wan's like, ah, oh, God, when are they going to invent space riddling? That's that seems to be his only reaction to Anakin for the most part. Yeah, every time he's just like, "Hey, Anakin, why don't you, I don't know, use the Force and feel stuff out? That Look, why don't we play the quiet game?" <laughs> I mean, I I do appreciate that he at least seems to be fully aware that Anakin is ridiculously powerful in the Force. So he's just like, "Ah, just send stuff for me because you're better at it." And it's for nice. God's sake, stop talking about Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> I do not need to see your Pokemans. <laughs> yeah, it's nice that. Uh, Obi-Wan at least is like, I have an idea of what's going on. I have sensed some things and I am both trying to be a teacher and be like, all right, I want you to reach out. I want you to try and see if you can detect the same things I do. I'm trying to be, you know, a good teacher student relationship, but also I fully understand that you are a ridiculous prodigy. Mm -hmm. And so he's just like, all right, what do you feel? And the first thing Anakin does is just like he grabs a chair to sort of move it out of the way. And as soon as he grabs it, he's like, oh, holy shit, this chair is alive. Right. He was expecting it. it it's green, but he was expecting it to be a wooden chair. Yeah. So he's like, ah, a chair. I will I will spin this around and sit in it cool guy style <laughs> so I can rap with my, my mentor, Obi-Wan, about what's going on. And then he's like, oh, shit, this thing's still alive. And Obi-Wan, who I guess read some pamphlet at some point, is like, yeah. Those are made of lamina. It's a material they use on this planet that they don't need to kill in order to make stuff out of. So everything's alive. Yeah, he's like, all the houses in here, all the like little boats and airships and whatnot they've got, the furniture, it's all made out of lamina, which is something that he, I mean, he doesn't know how, but he's like, they can just essentially grow it to whatever shape they want, and it doesn't die, it just becomes a living thing that is in the shape of a chair or what have you. Yeah. And Anakin's like, that's fucking weird. How does it stay alive? And then they establish that because he puts the chair back up after he realizes he knocked it over in fear because it was, he figured out it was alive. And then Obi-Wan's like, why don't you go have a look at that chair again? And when, when Anakin takes a look at it, it has reconnected itself to the floor. It's feeding through the floor, which is itself feeding through one of the boras, which are what we call the trees on this planet. Everything is net networked. And, and, Obi-Wan's like, yeah, look at that. This whole planet seems to have skipped the whole, like, competition and, and uh, predation cycle. Yeah, there's no predator-prey here. This is just a big, one big symbiotic thing. Yeah, which is the kind of thing where I was assuming there would be a more troubled note after that. Because if you're like, oh, everything here is alive, you're like, oh, well, how does it stay alive? And then the second you write a chair, it just sort of goes, and the little feet on the bottom of the chair sloop right into the floor and begin draining nutrients out of that. I'm like, oh, I'm sleeping in a bed that's alive and might be eating me. I don't like this at all. <laughs> I, I don't want any of that. No way, man. It's not a death bed, the bed that eats people. It's a life bed, a bed that gives you life. 
You're on top of the bed. I think that's how it works. It just kind of goes down. If you're on top of the, it's like the food chain is quite literally a, a vertical stack here. Yeah, whoever's on top gets everything. Yes, exactly. It's a capillary action thing. So all the food comes up to you. Good. You're not feeding the bed. <laughs> uh, uh, so, but that yeah, is, that is though the immediately cons- immediate concern I would have is, oh man, if everything in here can just immediately latch onto stuff for symbiotic nonsense, I would be paranoid at all times. That I'd be like. Oh, I'm just going to like rest my arm against this table. And then I'd constantly be like, oh, what if it starts like putting little tendrils in my arm? Ah, no, ah, I can't touch anything. I guess. I mean, I, I, I just don't have that fear it, to me. It'd be like if I, if someone handed me a bromeliad and was like, these things grow right into the tops of other trees. And I, I wouldn't be like, oh no, it's going to grow into my hand. Cause I'm like, nah, cause it's part of a whole cycle of stuff that does that. I'm from another planet. I, I am not part of this Simba. It's going to probably gonna get to my skin and be like, Ooh, I'll try and slurp onto that. Ew, gross. It tastes like fucking human. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I'm used to people going, ew, gross, whenever they try to slurp onto me. <laughs> it's, but it's, I mean, more it's the fact that it just, the second he puts the chair down, he's like, all right, now take a look at where the foot meets the floor. And it is already bonded with it. That's the thing that would freak me out oh, is sure, that it doesn't, sure. not like plants that are like, ooh, this, this bamboo will like grow up in you if you lay on top of it. And I'm like, yeah, but if it was a plant that was like, oh, it immediately does that within yeah. seconds. What's what bothers me is that this is as far as they go being interested. They're just kind of like, oh, neat. So like the ceiling and all these ropes and stuff, they're all alive currently. Yeah. Uh, my my immediate question is, how does the energy exchange work? Does that does that chair take dumps? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's that's when it connects to the floor. It's dumping out into the floor and the floor is getting that. Okay, so poop goes back down the same system all the way back into the earth. Yep. That's because I was like, the moment they said that, I was like, all right, but they're taking energy in, so either everything is constantly growing like Walmart, like uh, Wall Street pretends businesses should, or there needs to be some kind of exchange of creating matter and excreting dead matter and all that kind of stuff. I need to know if this house takes dumps. <laughs> it's important to me now. Uh, and also, what's at the bottom? It's got. A, is there a? Is it a closed food web? Or are we taking in sunlight? Is there a photosynthetic aspect of the process? Are they going to eat people later and be like, yeah, that's going to go right into the bottoms of the trees, and later it becomes the chairs. It's the circle of life. Yeah, and we do get a point uh, where, like, we see a river and there's a bunch of fish and whatever in there. So I'm like, okay, there's other animals, so it's not just like creepy symbiotic plant stuff Mm -hmm. so there are other things living here so i guess if it was like oh yeah when like a fish dies the tree gets that and then that goes up into the fucking chairs or whatever yeah i could kind of get that and then the chairs take dumps into the ocean and then the fish eat chair dumps yeah it's the circle of life (laughs) The circle of life (laughs) the fish die and become trees the trees give you a chair the chair takes a dump in the river simba everything the chair dumps on will be yours uh, uh, so, um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, I also don't know if the planet is 100% symbiotic, which is what they keep. That's the, the force senses they're using is, is telling them that this is all just kind of one big living thing. It's like a single system. Yeah, because again, Anakin's like, oh, when I reach out with the force, I just get one wave of like destiny and energy and all that. Like, I'm not, I can tell that there are people here. Like, there are colonists. The Faroans and whatnot right. are here, 
but everything else is just like one giant fucking wave of energy. Yeah, which me- leaves me wanting to know what the fuck the deal is with the fish or any other animal that lives on the planet. Because once you've evolved to a situation where you eat and excrete by just holding on to the thing that's underneath you, you don't need to move anymore. You become a skungus that is attached by means of a dill sack. <laughs> so what are the fish swimming around for? What are they fucking possibly accomplishing that isn't be- that's better than just lying on the floor of the planet and sucking up tasty juice? Sucking up that tasty juice. Yeah. Well, that, that's, that's how they make more slurp apes. <laughs> you got to understand. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I have to imagine that you would at that point be like, oh, all of the plant life, at least, yeah. is like that. But all of the like fauna would be its own thing. And maybe, again, that like when dead animals like happen in the forest or some shit then it gets sucked up as nutrients sure, as well that's but... fine i i guess i mean ultimately that would mean that the fauna has to like eat the flora in order to have any kind of energy but yeah i mean who knows maybe they'll explain it later i like to just think that sakat which is the part of this planet that isn't zonama but is the living bit is just a single massive pando style tr- uh plant organism yes um and then the animals are just animals maybe not even native maybe who someone knows? imported the animals uh but anyway that's them having that conversation. Anakin, and so Obi-Wan asked Anakin if the force wave he got earlier, back when they were in the airplane hangar, was part of this whole like single planet symbiosis thing. And he's like, no, there was a wave of something that was either mad at us or concerned about us or something that was different. Yeah, there's just a big, immense energy, not like a bunch of little voices or anything, just one big voice, one big planet-sized voice. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so so there's something weird going on, but today's the day when they get to go out and be hanging out with Gan again and move along in their apparently extremely complicated and slow process by which the planet lets them prove themselves worthy of a ship. Yeah, and they get taken onto a big gondola because they've got those like uh, sort of airship things that also have the rope attachments that go between areas. Yeah. They are going from the middle distance to the far distance. Mm-hmm. But I appreciate understanding now why the airships are on those cables. Yeah. Because earlier I was like, why bother? You can just fly them from one place to another. Ah, but that way they get to eat from the cables, which are connected to the system. It's all one big system. Yeah. The, I mean, the other thing is that way you don't have to put an engine on there. You can just have a fucking balloon and then pull it across. That's true. Or just push it and have it go across on momentum. Yeah. Yeah. But... The big thing is, while they're going, there is a big celebratory feeling going on. Like, people are out and in brightly colored outfits. There's, like, balloons and stuff. Yeah. Everyone's super jazzed, and it seems like they're like, oh, we haven't had the opportunity or ability to have someone come by a ship. We haven't really had a lot of visitors lately. It's a big deal when someone comes and does one of these Yeah, and this is things. one of the important days in that process. And ordinarily, you'd have to meet some of the other customers, but you're the only one. So we have one customer, and that's because I'm counting the two of you as a single person. Yeah. He says, giving away the game that this is one big symbiotic planet. Ah. 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 Yeah, if you think about ah. it. Yeah. Ah. So, uh, so, yeah, they're all, I don't know, they're playing like the marching band version of that Yub Nub song from the non-special edition of Star Wars. Yeah. It's good times. Everyone's excited. There's there's magic in the air, and there's a big muscle lady who's going to take over for Gan. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and there's 
mostly just for Rowan's here. Yeah. Like, it doesn't seem like there are a lot of other colonists or anything, because everyone we meet is one of these Faroans, yeah, including the pilot of this, who's like some 16-year-old kid, and Anakin strikes up a conversation and is like, dude, the river down there looks fucking rad. I would totally want to go like whitewater rafting down there because that looks dangerous and that's my only personality trait. Yeah, I like to do dangerous, stupid race shit. And the, the kid ri- flying the uh, the gondola is like, yeah, none of us do that. That would be dangerous and dumb. And we there's have other better, ways. Wa- yeah. better ways if you want to do something dangerous. Uh-huh. And of course, Anakin's like, oh, there are dangerous things you can do here. You got to tell me. <laughs> you got to let me know how I can murder myself. Well, I haven't replaced the carbon monoxide detector batteries in my home for over a year. <laughs> <sighs> Obi-Wan, I want to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting out of here. But no, he's just like, well, on Unity Day, sometimes will. And then Gans comes in and is just like, <clears throat> Shut the fuck up. <laughs> mm. And you're done talking. But there is one neat bit where they need to trade wires that the gondola is traveling along. So like unhook a little loop on the top of the gondola so it starts floating free and then catches another uh, line, like another rope, and starts going that way instead. And that was kind of a neat little moment. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, he doesn't. He can't give away the secret of what they do on Unity Day that's so fucking exciting. Ooh, Unity mm-hmm. Day. Yep, probably a lot of high-fiving. <laughs> Probably. Mm -hmm. Everyone loves to high-five on Unity Day. Yeah. Because it's when we're united in purpose. Yeah. And once again, (laughs) once again, Faroans are human, but blue. Except not even remotely human. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're bipedal. They're bipedal. They're like seven and a half feet tall when they're they're big ones. uh, And they're blue. But they were immediately identified as human when we first saw them. Yes. And they never converted. They're Oh, wait, no, these aren't humans. These are Faroans. They are, they're just a, a sub-race of humans that are blue. Yeah. Uh, but we also, uh, as Jeff mentioned, we get our big muscle mommy shows up, That's which is Skithra. Uh, Skila Fars. Oh, I thought it was Skithra Fars. Uh, and she is... Skith. Skith. Uh, Sheikla. That's Sheikla. It. Sheikla oh. Fars. Okay. She- of course. How could I forget such a common name as Sheikla? Sheikla Fars is going to show up and we get a little bit of information about sort of the, like, gender diversity of this in that normally hair gets darker on a Faroan as they get older. So you can tell if someone's like, oh, you're an elder Faroan because you have, like, black hair. Right. And this isn't the case for ladies who will keep white hair, I guess, but also, the women are just bigger. Yeah, yeah, they they get bigger. Although we note as well that Gan is of a uh, not so much a caste as just a social strata where he is an, a diplomat, and uh, uh, Shikla is uh, she's a, like a farm worker. There's a point where she says, "Yeah, I'm from the farming part of the com uh, the commune or something." Hmm. Uh, so we know that that her muscles come by honest work, but she is enormous, even bigger than Gan was. I mean, what she says is. That she is a grower. Grower. Okay. Not, not a shower. shower. Yeah, no, I'm, yeah. I, I'm there. Which I assume is less farming and more I create chairs and yeah, stuff. Yeah, does the lamina thing. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I assume they have to farm anyway, unless these Faroans we're going to release later are just like sleeping in, in food beds. I mean, Maybe I have to are. assume it, if you're part of the system that like Seacode is like, oh yeah, these are my little helper birds that pick ticks off of me or whatever. Mm-hmm. 
at that point, you're just like, yeah, I just have my trees crap out some fruit or whatever. You eat that. Who cares? I mean, in the scenario you're describing, the birds eat ticks. So presumably they have to eat whatever the, the local equivalent of ticks is. is. Probably whatever the fucking the fish, fish are in yeah. that river. That would make some sense. Seacoat hates fish. Uh-huh. And then it allowed these humans here so we could eat the fish. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. But then there's humans were there and it needed to invite some uh, larger predators on to eat the humans. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. It'll probably <laughs> die. By the way, the fish in the uh, stream were described as being the size and shape of the bongo from Phantom Menace. Yeah, there so was there was at least one that was that, and then a bunch of smaller ones swimming around it. Yeah, so there's some big fish down there. Oh, they're big fish. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Sheikla's like, hey, welcome to it. You're on your, like, what do they call it, choosing day or something? And she says something that says, okay, you guys are going to be meeting with the seed partners who are part of the process by which you you prove yourselves and, and become worthy of, of building and growing your own ship here on the planet. Yeah. Um, so we you have to undergo a bunch of stuff yeah because you need to understand what the magister experienced and there and obi-wan is like okay this is like the third time you've mentioned someone named the magister here yeah who is the magister and then they get real fucking coy about it Mm -hmm. and i'm like why would you continually bring like ooh, the magister says this the magister needs to do whatever you need to experience the magister and then as soon as someone goes Hey, why do you keep saying that? Who's the magister? Oh, I couldn't possibly. Yeah, you'd think they'd have like a a, a PR approved set of details, like you know, like the, the 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 fact sheet they could hand you and be like, "This is everything we need to tell you about the magister." Like if you asked a Scientologist about L. Ron Hubbard's singing career, they'd be like, "Oh yeah, well he did make that one Edgar Winter album, which is very well received, and blah 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 blah." And he, of course he was a jazz artist. They wouldn't be like, "Oh, I couldn't possibly," and you know, because all of his music ultimately was horrible failures. Uh, but instead, they'd have some sort of PR sheet to hand you, and they, these guys seem to just not have their shit in order. No, and it immediately reads full fucking cult there because they're like oh who's the magister why he is our leader and our spiritual center he guides us and you're like oh okay there's a reason i'm using hubbard as my (laughs) go-to yeah yeah you're like all right i get it okay that's fine (laughs) okay say no more all right uh, who am i marrying uh (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so then she tells them that the seed partners are grown in a thing called a potentium or a potentium. The potentium. And now the potentium is uh, basically a thing that sets off a little flashback for Obi-Wan, which he does not explain to Anakin. Uh, and Anakin he's like, even asks, he's like, hey, my man, what the fuck is a potentium? And he's like, oh, that's a word I haven't heard for many years. I'm not going to tell you about it now. Mm, how about you go fuck yourself, mm, Anakin? Yes, just read your Pokemon cards. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, just, I don't know. I'll tell you about potentium and you tell me about, I don't know, Diglett or something. <laughs> Is that a nose or an open mouth? I've never been able to tell. That seems like some kind of a dick there, Anakin. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, it's something that he was like, oh, once upon a time, there were some students that like rebelled against the Jedi. Basically, they shot down a group of students for not being disciplined or strong enough in the force. And one of them, who was a rich Coruscant shit boy, was like, well, then fuck you. I'm doing my own Jedi temple with with these assholes. With Blackjack and Potentium. <laughs> yeah. And they called themselves the Potentium. And, and Anik- Obi-Wan's immediately like, I wonder if those two things are connected. And I'm like, why are you wondering that? That's it, not that. It's just a weird phrasing of potential. 
and these people are from very far away. Yeah, it's it's wild to me because as well, it was like, oh, the potentium is a weird view of the force. And it would be like, oh, that's named after some sort of heresy that happened. And you'd think, ah, yes, clearly one weird rich kid that tried to make his own cult, I guess, came here and got a bunch of Feroans on his side, I guess? Maybe the Magister is going to turn out to be that kid. Although the Magister is like, oh, we had a grandfather, or his father, the Magister's father is the one who started this, and then the Magister is the one who's currently in charge. Yeah. So it could be the whoever this rich asshole kid was, his kid is the manager, or Magister, I guess. Guess? I mean, they could they could be concurrent because ultimately the potentium event that happened on Coruscant is from before Obi Wan's time as well. But it was from Qui Gon and Mace Windu's, which means it can't be that far ago. Yeah, because they were both like, oh yeah, they dealt with it, which means they had to have been old enough to be dealing with it. So m- maybe twenty years ago. Yeah, it, it just feels wrong for it to be connected, but he's like, ooh, I wonder if there's a connection. And I'm like, no, man, it's a much easier connection to draw to be like, these Foroans came to a planet where you shape living stuff into like a chair that takes dumps later, and you make it out of raw living stuff that the planet gives you somewhere. And you're going to need a fancy sounding sci-fi word for what that raw living stuff is called. You know that stuff that has unlimited potential for growth? Yeah, yeah. and we call it lamina. <laughs> I no, got to get these lamina floors. It's potentium until you shape it into lamina. That's the, what immediately popped into my head. No, it it's honestly weird because if they don't tie this back to the Magister is like one of these exactly. fucking they, they cult have things. to now, right? Yeah, because I was like, otherwise, there is no point to bring this shit up. Why would you do that? Yeah, it, it would be a weird book dead end to be like a long time ago. Some random jackass kids rebelled and tried to start their own X-Men. And and uh, we had to put a, put the fucking stop to that. No X Force. We had to tell them. No, you're not allowed to. Uh. You guys kind of suck anyway. <laughs> the uh, the other thing that Sheikla does is get real up in their personal space and sniff them and go, "Oh, it's good. You're not afraid." Because when you go in and you meet your seed partners, you shouldn't be afraid because that'll be bad for you. And I'm like, why would you say that? That's instantly going to make me afraid of something. That's because like, she wants hey, to give them the yips. She doesn't want anyone to get off this planet with a cool ship. Don't go into the seed pods thinking about a purple elephant or you'll die. Bye! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Obi-Wan's like, well, that's like lesson one on, uh, on Coruscant. Fuck you. <laughs> I cannot think of over 30 elephants a second. Yes, Jedi training has made it so that I never think of purple elephants. <laughs> There's a time when I used to not think of 16 elephants. <laughs> Because I was just a Padawan then. Now I don't think of 18 elephants. <laughs> Anakin, of course, is a prodigy and doesn't think of up to 26 elephants at a time. Each one bigger than the last. He's <laughs> not thinking of. <laughs> exactly. That's all it is. That's all that is. <laughs> but yeah, she's like, yeah, you're good. Neither of you is especially afraid. That's really important. Um, what, what I keep waiting is for, for anyone to suss out that these two are Jedi. They're not making a super big secret out of it. No, they're still in the robes and stuff. I was going to say, especially in the prequel era stuff where it's like, oh, these are the official fucking costumes of Jedi. And if we're right and this fucking Magister is that dude who started the Potentium back in the Coruscant days, you'd think you'd have like, all right, if anyone shows up in this outfit, I got to know about that. That's really important for me to know about. I mean, we we do also get the other thing here where uh, 
Anakin and Obi-Wan, when they were talking, Anakin straight up is like, oh, I don't sense Verger on the planet at all. Right. So she is either dead or left. Yeah. And that is the thing where I'm like, well, I mean, maybe he did go, hey, wait a minute, you're a fucking Jedi and murder that person. That could very well be. Also, Obi-Wan has to be like, well, no, Anakin, it could be both. She could be dead and gone. Yes. Maybe someone shot her into space. Mm-hmm. Did you ever think about that, Ooh, you dumb little yeah. shit? You need to consider all the possibilities, but not 13 elephants. Especially not purple ones. Don't you do it, Anakin. <laughs> uh, so anyway, she's going to take them to the place where they do the thing with whatever a seed partner is. We'll get back to that because it's time for a brief break for a Wraith Sinar chapter. Oh, Wraith. Wraith on his nice little capital ship is currently being fucking sad and bored because he does not like the life of someone that goes out and have adventures. He likes the idea of being someone that goes out and has adventures because he's immediately like, oh, when we started these chapters before, he was like, ooh, I'm going to dress up like a cool captain and I'm going to I'm gonna pretend to be someone who knows what they're doing and this is going to be great. But then when we see him now, he's like, Oh, this sucks. I'd rather be at home designing ships. Yeah, he's in his stateroom just looking at a wall. He doesn't want to look out the window because it's just hyperspace out there. And while he is, like John is saying, like theoretically interested in hyperspace, he's not practically interested in hyperspace. He'd much rather be at home thinking the big thoughts. And he has this general fear that he's being set up. He doesn't know why or how, but he's like, Tarkin's setting me up for something. He wouldn't, if he'd actually wanted me to do this, then, like, he would have sent me with a real army and not whatever the ramshackle bullshit this is. And I would love it if that turns out to not be true. That's, like, one of my biggest hopes of this book is that, no, this is literally the best Tarkin could do. Oh, yeah. Well, I, I think a large section of this is Wraith absolutely hates droids yeah. as far as having to rely on them for a military thing. Because he's like, oh, they failed once in Naboo and now I'll never like them ever again. Yeah. And I, mean, I don't just... trust them, and they suck, and the fact that Tarkin gave me them means that he wants me to fail. Yeah, and it's not just that they lost on Naboo, they lost to the standing Gungan militia. Yeah, like that's embarrassing. Yeah, that's like losing to Glass Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Which uh, I'm not even sure if you can actually do. I don't think I... I've never seen anyone do it. I mean, you could. I guess it's you possible. You just put the controller put the down. Put the controller down and just wait for the TKO against <laughs> you. Through no punches. <laughs> never seen his victory animation. But but the fucking battle droids lost. To, they, he says they stood there like stupid Roger Roger saying sticks and were killed. And now I've got a bunch of slightly better versions of those that are still dumb as hell. And I that bugs me. I got to say, when it, he's talking about the E5, because he has one sent up to his room. He, for some reason, uses, like, a... He can see Captain Ket, who's the captain of the ship he's on, but Ket can't see him. Yeah, he has, like, a one-way communicator where basically he gets the standard Star Wars hollow image thing of who he's talking to, but he's like, ooh, and I set it up so he couldn't see me. That mm-hmm. way I can, I don't know, zoom in without my pants on or whatever. Yeah, Ket can totally see him. It's just he's doing that John Cena hand motion the whole time. <laughs> yeah, can't see me. <laughs> I assume that's how Jedi powers work. Um, But he's like, yeah, send an E5 to my room. And he starts unpacking something from a little cylinder he's brought with him. It's it's like a spare brain. It's an upgrade to the Verbo brain because he's like, oh, I know the guy who made these droids. Yeah. And the droids are capable, 
but mostly they are slow, not especially intelligent. They've got good firepower, but they're just kind of heavy because the guy who made them loves tanks. Normally his business makes heavy vehicles, but especially tanks. Yeah. And he's like, and that means that these E5s, they're like as smart as tanks, which is fucking stupid. And this bugs me because I'm like, why? Like if they're bigger than battle droids, they've got bigger heads, put a better brain in them. Why bother? Is it just some sort of sense of propriety about how to do a unit construction for, for like tabletop war games where you're like, it's a big unit it has to be dumb. Can we put the big brain in there? No, no, it's a big, it's an ogre unit. So it's got to get the stupid brain. Well, yeah, I mean, if you don't want to put a, a big smart brain into your giant murder droid, because then it might just go, oh, well, I'm better than you and I'll murder everyone. <laughs> you got to put limits on that. No, you put, the, that's you put the smart brain in the little shitty droid. That's what those bolt droid things are for. Restraining bolts and shit. That's what, that's what those are for. You get, there's no reason to make a comedy stupid droid. There just isn't. I, I mean, I was willing to buy it for the Roger Rogers because they're supposed to be controlled by a central brain unit. But these things are independent. Why make each one of them like one quarter of a 3PO? Just put the whole 3PO in there. I assume because the Verbo brain is probably the single most expensive thing in a droid. And a fair. smart one is very expensive. I suppose. If you're like, what's the point of this droid? Uh, they march forward and shoot. I don't need to be able to have a droid that do fucking multiple calculus then. I can just have one that tracks things and shoots. I guess. I just, I feel like he's like, these things are slow and dumb. And I'm like, how expensive is it to just get an R2 unit and fish the brain out and stick it in this thing? Pretty expensive. Must, it must be. But but in any event, uh, he calls one to his room and he's like, great. When I'm done with this one, it'll be dancing like a Twi'lek slave girl or something. Yeah, he's just like, I've got a super fancy Verbo brain, because even though I don't like droids, if I'm going to have one, I want one that, one, is highly competent, because the reason I don't like droids is because they aren't as good as people, mm -hmm. and two, I want it to be fully under my control. Because again, Wraith is hyper paranoid, so he's like, oh, I need to have at least one of these droids that I put the brain in so I know it only answers to me. Yeah, and then he's like, all right, time to start my own kind of plans, my, my contingencies, in case I'm right, and this is all a setup for like an extremely convoluted setup and practical joke on me for some reason. So I'm going to work on the one piece of this army that I know wasn't specifically assembled by Tarkin in the first place. Uh, have Key Dave the blood carver character we haven't seen for chapters and chapters sent to my room. I want to have words with that, that alien. Yeah. And the fact that he's right. Paranoid that he's like, Oh, what if key Dave was sent here to keep an eye on me? And if I don't do this right, then he's going to murder me. Key Dave is the assassin for me. And I'm like, dude, if Tarkin wanted you dead, he didn't need to send you with a fucking flotilla and a bunch of droids and then also a blood carver that will murder you. He could just kill you. He could probably just press a button that makes the ship you're on explode. It, it's not super complicated. He doesn't need to put an alien assassin on the ship, too. I mean, uh, yeah, he would. He's he's one. He's like that. That's I mean, he has a flair for the dramatic. Yeah, he is nothing if not a drama queen. I know. So but, he absolutely would do that, and you're right to be paranoid, and I don't know why we're whining. No, it, it feels weird that he's like, ah, this whole thing is all a setup to get me, and I'm like, man, why? No, one, you're already on his side, killing you does nothing and probably hampers things, and two, why would you think the fucking blood carver would be like, 
ooh, and he's going to have this guy murder me. Why? If you're paranoid, be paranoid about the entire ship full of droids that might have been programmed mm -hmm. to murder you. Well, it's style points, and he knows how Tarkin thinks. <laughs> it's like when you're playing those Hitman games. Yeah, you can just sneak up behind them and, like, garrote them or whatever, but also you can, like, trick them to Sylvia Plathing themselves in an oven or something, and then you get, like, a bonus at the end, so... And maybe yeah. an unlockable suit. I, mean, I need to trick someone into the grape-crushing machine and yeah. crush them into the grapes. Yeah, exactly. And then you get, like... A B rank or something. That's so. That's what Tarkin's all about. Yeah. But anyway, that's the first of the two Sinar chapters. And the second one, because let's just go out of sequence, is him having Key Dave in the room. Yeah. Key Dave gets called up and he's like, all right, what the fuck are you doing, man? Why, why are you calling me in here? Yeah. And he's like, all right, would you come in and relax? No, I'm going to stand in the shadows and look menacing. And, and it, once again, for those of you who have forgotten, Key Dave is a blood carver. Blood carvers are like gangly seven and a half foot gold guys triple jointed with weird like nose flaps that kind of protrude out and give them like a pointy triangle looking mouth thing going on like a blade face yeah and when but they can flare them outward to give them more of a pickaxe face instead uh and they will do a lot of the description of him is him moving his nostril flaps in and out for various like emotions and i've already forgotten what all of them were supposed to have signified yeah um, but yeah, Wraith, again, this chapter, the two where he's super paranoid, I'm like, oh man, I don't like this. But again, this one, I'm like, oh, I'm back on board because he's like, hello, assassin. Why don't you come into my room? Make yourself comfortable. He's like, no, I'm going to stand here and be in the shadows. And he's like, dude, fucking just take a seat, man. Just, <laughs> I just want to talk. And he comes over and like carefully drapes himself into one of the like the floor by one of the chairs because he's like my species sits weird he's like fine whatever hey man how you doing are you all right you having a good time i am comfortable in the small room with no windows they have provided me no one comes to see me and i prefer it that way he's like i am not part of this god damn it key dave will you please just let me get you some sangria <laughs> take it down Three notches. Would you like some tapas? <laughs> <laughs> tapas is the way of the coward. <laughs> no, no, for God's sake. God damn it, man. <laughs> By offering me tapas, you have revealed yourself as prey. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love that part where there is literally that type of... I mean, it's going to happen later in the chapter, but there's a part where he's like... Hey, I just want to offer you some some details about what's going on. By telling me too much, you have revealed yourself a victim and a weakness. And he's like, no. You know what? No, I haven't. I am full on in charge of you. I could have you flayed in a second. I am being polite because that's the way I was raised. You, by refusing to recognize that and constantly talking to me as if I was a filet mignon, are displaying yourself as a weak piece of shit. Okay? Yeah. It's great because he's like, look, I looked you up. Obviously, I looked you up as soon as we had a fucking conversation. Yeah. And I found out your status among your people, and... It's your... complicated? You gotta change that shit. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Take a chair dump or get off the pot. <laughs> but he's like, look, I know that you are all fucked up in the eyes of your people. You're mm -hmm. currently probably trying to redeem yourself, which is what I am sure all of this is about. And you are... At this point, sort of over a barrel. And Key Dave's like, oh, the fact that you know that means means that I, I, I am, I'm I'm already fucking fucked up. Oh, no, you know about it, which means now I re can't redeem myself. You'll reach out to my people and make it impossible. You'll tell them I failed to kill those two Jedi. And he's like, 
I will not. I didn't reach out to your people. I won't. Let me state this again for the audio devices I'm sure are installed all throughout here. I have a great deal of respect for the blood carvers as a people. And put a pin in that because respect for your people is going to be an important thesis statement I'll come back to in a second. (laughs) Yeah. As soon as Key Dave is just like, oh, no, if you... You, you you don't respect my people or my ways of things and I don't I don't like to make weird deals and he's like, dude, come on, man, I am trying to be good here. And again it's that, oh, by trying to be nice, you're weak. No, by trying to be nice, I'm trying to be nice. Yes. You fuck man. Yeah. And eventually he comes around to it and he's like, So what do you think of Tarkin? You always say, He's given me a chance in a place where others might not have. And he's like, Yeah, well, let me tell you something. I had a conversation with him before I left where he was like telling me about you and how you're a useful contrivance towards an end, but that within the near future in his plans, uh, things will be very good for humans. Do you understand what I'm telling you? Only humans. Mm-hmm. Hello, Mr. Thompson. <laughs> o- only humans. Yeah. Now, let me ask you, does that seem fair? Is that a world in which you think you would be able to thrive. And let me go ahead and state for the record, I disagree, personally, on like an ethical level. I think there's lots of value to be gleaned from interspecies cooperation and working together. So I'm just asking, which one of those two worldviews do you think you prefer? Yeah. I also enjoy Key Dave during all of this notices the fucking E5 droid. He's like, oh, are you going to try and murder me? He's like, oh, no, this is just in case you try to murder me. Yeah. I assume you're an assassin who wants to kill me, so I've got this guy just to stop that from happening. Largely, what's going to happen here is I'm going to tell you that Tarkin is a racist working for a human supremacist agenda, and if you already knew that, and we're like, you weren't supposed to know that, it's time for me to cut a big X in your stomach and watch your bits fall out, then I would have that thing vent you. Yeah. That's what we're doing. I Look, I, I have the E5 here because I'm putting my cards on the table, and I want to make sure that you don't attempt to murder me for that. Yeah. Consider him a pit boss. <laughs> And Key Dave, at least, is receptive. He's like, you know what? I would not like to live in a humanocentric universe. That would suck. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's big. Because, I mean, we understand via this chapter that Key Dave's big plan is to redeem himself via some kind of ritual or coup counting or whatever it is that's important in the eyes of his people. Like, he is currently double-fucked because... He had, he had already been on the outs with his people in some way, and then that contract job he took to kill a Jedi, no, two Jedi, oh yeah, okay, two Jedi, was uh, was a thing that was going to help redeem him, because hunting Jedi is known to be a very difficult thing for his people, and he failed at that too, so he is, he's like extra boned. Yeah, whereas Wraith is like, I don't care that you didn't kill two Jedi, because that's fucking hard. And not only did you do you it- survived Falling into a pit pit of nasty worms that wanted to murder you, crawled your ass out of there, and reported back on your failure, which means not only are you incredibly tough, but you also own up to things that you have done. Yeah. I think you're awesome. Yeah. He basically is just laying it out. He's like, look, I would rather be friends with you than not, because you're rad. Like, those fucking silicon worms were, or silicone worms, were huge and terrifying, and you fell in there like shot out of the sky by a bored Jedi and and then you just crawled back out and we're like, I failed, but I'm ready for my next mission. You're like, normally no one would go do that with Tarkin because he's just gonna be like, ah, yes, thank you. Welcome back. Shoot that man. <laughs> uh, you have failed. Well, no more for you. Mm-hmm. 
Bring in a series of torture droids and shoot him with the torture droids <laughs> out of a big cannon that shoots torture droids. Shoot a torture droid at this man mm-hmm. at velocity. And I'm going to stop saying man and start saying alien because I'm super racist. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he is like, you're great. That's great. I love all of that shit. And I would like you to be on my side and also not kill me. Exactly. What I'm trying to say here is that I've read the political tea leaves and I want to be in the key party. Hey, now. And by that, I mean. (laughs) I want to get nasty with different people. (laughs) In like a room with a carpeted ceiling. (laughs) That's what I want. Uh I want a conversation pit with shag carpet ceilings. Mm -hmm. And that's all I need. Uh Uh-huh. I think you're pick up, picking up what I'm putting down here, right, Key Dave? And what I'm putting down is my pants. Obviously. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Key Dave at this point, as well as like, oh, I I am not eligible for like the finale because they have a whole like performance-based culture. Yeah. So in addition to normally the whole blood carver thing being they make a lot of sculptures, but you know, oh, sculpting people is another thing, like he mentioned in yes. earlier chapters. So he's like, oh, I need to do this or else I essentially can't go to heaven. Yeah. Because I am not eligible to perform my finale. Yeah, that first chapter, he basically had the Morton Solus introductory line. Yeah. You know, that that many ways to help people line that you get when you first talk to him. And, he, and you're like, wow, are you like just an amoral murderer? And he's like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> I bet you thought I was going to be a good guy because of the way my voice sounds. No. <laughs> I'm evil. You're still going to be really sad when I blow myself up in the third one, though. Spoiler alert. <laughs> spoiler, spoiler alert for a very old game. And for something that may or may not happen. There's a lot of things that can happen in that third one. It's true. He may not even be alive in the third one. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, I mean, obviously you have to get him to sing. That's, that's the important thing with, with Solus is to get him to sing the song. Anyway, um, yeah, he's... That, that's where it ends, though, is him being like, yeah, you're working for a huge human supremacist who has no future plan that involves you. Uh, and, unless you make a good rug or table, I assume. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, no, as a table, I wouldn't shit enough. <laughs> I couldn't connect to the floor and take dumps in it. <laughs> so, 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 and that's where that chapter ends. And then we're back to finally do the seed partner evaluation test with Obi-Wan and Anakin. Yes. And they're basically sent into a big warehouse in the Boras alone and there's like a bunch of fragrant balls all over. Just just a lot of smelly balls everywhere you look. Yeah, they get, you know, the full weird cult thing because they go into a giant room and there's all of these people that are in these like brightly lit like costumes and she's like, oh, you must come with me to the edge of this area. And then everyone just starts singing weird songs at them and they're like, here you go. Remember. Don't be afraid. Mm-hmm. Go into here and play with the balls a little. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid of the shaft. Go. <laughs> you must cup them for them to accept you. <laughs> yeah, they go into a big open air sphere room. Yes. And the walls are fully lined with spiky balls. Yep, just big old like Bucky balls or or uh, whatever those, you know those seeds you throw at each other when you're a kid? Those ones are like those, like, like spiky dead cherries and you can pick them up and huck them at each other yeah yeah it's like those things all over the place but a little more alive and just slightly smaller than a human's head yeah so very large spiky balls Mm -hmm. and they are all alive they are like 
moving around. Yeah, they're, so, they're making Furby noises and shit. It's terrifying. Yeah, you got a, just a, an entire giant room full of squirming alive spike balls. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh yeah, sure. Why would I ever be afraid going in here? This seems perfectly fine. <laughs> Who could be afraid of this? Now, obviously a big room full of spikes balls isn't scary to me at all, but a big room full of angels balls, I wouldn't even know how to react. Hey now, and I, I love it. <laughs> Uh, uh, you see, it's a gag. You see, <laughs> in the show Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> I was always more of a Spike Man than an Angel Man. I feel like most people were. Mm, probably. Yeah. So anyway, I mean, you're obviously more of a Spike Man, right? Like, Spike's just better than Angel. <laughs> I mean, Spike as a character, better than Angel. But the Angel show, by the time you get to, like, third or fourth season, that shit rules. I mean, they eventually get Spike on there, too, don't they? In the last season, yeah. Yeah, he becomes a regular character for the last season. Yeah, fifth season, Angel, is amazing. Yeah, because it's just lost. It's one of those great shows where it lost all give a shit. Yeah, by the fifth season, they went, you know what? Fuck it. Let's change the entire dynamic of this show. We're going to change what everything is about. Because we don't give a fuck anymore. Also, are they done with the Wolfram and Hart bullshit by that point? Or is that no, when they they're in full swing? No, they are Wolfram and Hart. Oh, they are. They've taken over yeah, Wolfram and Hart. fifth season is, now we're in charge of the evil corporation. Okay, that's what it was. It's all right. great. Yeah. So, uh, anyway, when they walk in, all of these balls are like kind of wiggling on the floor, you know, like so these balls have just been flapped down on the table and they're just sort of quivering and, again, making little Furby noises in case you were interested in that. Yeah, all of them are kind of like, you know, Getting a little bigger and a little smaller, just sort of breathing at you. Yeah, and some of them start awkwardly. Some of them are a little bit bigger than the one next to them, but that's fine. That's normal. Yeah, but you probably get that looked at just in case. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, it's no laughing matter. Uh, And then then, uh, some of them start to roll towards them. Yeah. And Anakin just sticks his arms out wide and is like, hooray, balls, and starts charging (laughs) towards them as fast as he can. And it takes Obi-Wan stopping him like, no, Anakin, don't run directly into the balls. (laughs) It's... It's amazing because the second they get in there, Anakin, of course, is like, oh, fuck yeah, one of these things is going to be the ship that we're going to get. I love this. I want a fucking ship. The only reason I give a fuck about anything is the idea that I'll get a spaceship at the end. Yeah, and and again, I hate spaceships and I hate being in space. Yeah, I hate space and spaceships, but the only thing I care about is spaceships and being in space. Yes. (sighs) So yeah, he's super jazzed. And of course... Obi-Wan's like, chill, chill. Yeah, he puts a hand on the shoulder to stop him from moving. He's like, wow, this kid is hyper. And he's like, okay, remember what I taught you? Because he wants him to, like, clear his mind and center himself. And Anakin's like, yeah, yeah, I got it, centered. Yeah, he's like, holy fuck. This kid went from hyperactive 12-year-old to open to the frequencies of the universe in, like, five seconds. Yeah, and uh, Obi-Wan's like, well, I can do that, but it takes me, like, several minutes. What the fuck? (laughs) God damn it, kid. Yeah. Um, it's hard. And Anakin's like, no, it isn't. It's really easy. You just do this. I'll do anything to get my hands on those, those big smelly balls. Cause by the way, they smell like a lot. Not bad. They smell good. They're good smelling balls. Everything on this planet smells good, but especially the balls. The balls in here are described as smelling like electric flowers. Yeah. You know, my favorite electro swing (laughs) band. So electric flowers uh, is the scent that we're getting, uh, and the balls are all sort of flipping around and, and excited, and they walk amongst the balls, do they? And more and more balls start to descend from the well, walls. Yeah, once Anakin opens himself up to the universe and is like, 
ah, I feel the force around me and I connect with the balls. And as soon as he starts connecting with the balls, the balls get real excited. Yeah, yeah. And they start falling off the ceiling and the floors. Some of these, I mean, again, these things are like the size of a human head. So, and they have spikes, big spikes. Yeah. So as they start to fall from the ceiling, Obi-Wan trying his best not to get scared, which was the important thing is like, well, shit, you know, I don't, big Uh, spiky balls to fall on me. Uh, This isn't the kind of balls I like to fall on me at all. And he's like, oh, my natural inclination is to go for my lightsaber. That's not really going to work too well in this situation because there's just an entire fucking room full of balls now. Yeah. And uh, they start to increasingly crowd around them, pile up in a big pile on either side of them, and then they start to straight up rain down from the ceiling. Oh, yeah. And as they start to rain down, Anakin, who is, neither of them is still scared. They're both like, well, I'm handling this. This is just a really intense situation. I know how to handle balls. I'm not afraid. Yeah. (laughs) I just don't want him to hit me in the face. Yeah. And Anakin's like, well, they're all going to come down now. He picks this up by sensing what the balls are going to do. He's like, oh, well. We're not what they expected. Oh, there's a part where, yeah, Obi-Wan's like, are they afraid of us? No. Do they want something from us? No. Is it because we're not what they expected? Yes. Yeah. So I guess the balls were like, oh, we're Jedi. That's fucked up. Yeah, they were kind of expecting just another rich person who wants a spaceship. Uh, But then all the balls start to fall from the ceiling. And oh, crap, this is starting to hurt and cut and bruise them pretty badly because of all these balls. And uh, all these seed partners are just like, yeehaw, I'm a seed partner. Yeah, they're coming down like so many wild horses, and it turns out that it's going to be Obi-Wan who has to bust these balls. Obi-Wan, you're busting my balls. <laughs> and the balls start falling from the ceiling, and basically, the, at the end of our chapters, and at the end of today's episode, is going to be them piled up in a big sea of balls. Yeah, and the balls are dropping so fast and furious at this point that they're just smashing open, and a bunch of dust and particles and things are coming out of these smashed balls Mm -hmm. and they are protecting their face so at least they're not getting stabbed but they're like oh they're slamming into the hand that we have like in front of our face so we're just kind of slapping ourselves in the face with these balls Mm -hmm. and uh eventually they are so pressed in and hemmed in by all of these balls and all of the emissions from these balls that they can't even breathe. Yeah, they're just they just lost themselves in a sea of balls, and some of the balls are even dropping. So, so that's that's weird. Yeah, uh, but anyway, that's where it ends. Is them just they can't breathe for all these balls and the many emissions from them. Uh huh. And we'll see you again next week. <laughs> and, and well, that's what we've got. <laughs> Um, I mean, but for seriously, though, please go check out our Patreon over at patreon.com slash system mastery, where we're going to keep talking Star Wars for just a little bit longer. That's right. If you join us at the $4 a month level, you unlock our expanded expounded universe where we go to Wikipedia. We find some little tidbits from the world of Star Wars and we tell you and each other. All about them. Uh-huh. Once again, patreon.com slash system mastery, where please, we could definitely use your support more than ever right now because Patreon done fucked up. Oh, yeah. If you were already a patron, maybe check to make sure you still are because Patreon did some dumb, weird tax nonsense and everyone was, that had a uh, a subscription may have had that gotten rid of because the bank went wait a minute why are you getting charged from ireland now exactly so uh, we lost a significant chunk of our revenue stream which is scary um <laughs> don't be afraid 
here are balls. <laughs> so if you want to hear us and help us talk more about balls, go to patreon.com slash system mastery and support us at any level to help us get back on our balls. I mean, feet, our ball feet, our ball feet. Uh, otherwise I, I'll, I'm, we'll see you again real soon with yet more exciting star Wars content. And I have been Elon Sleaze Bagano. And I love balls in my face. Any balls dirty or dingy or dusty. (laughs) 